Now, a lot had happened in the, in the I don't know, three or four years, I suppose, since I'd been there, in that the St. Louis group had, in fact, developed a new area of positron emission tomography cameras. They'd, they'd taken some of the concepts which Brownell had developed and were doing tomography, which, when I was there, was being done, but it, it wasn't quite perfected, that's for sure. And they had then realised the basic principles of how you would construct a PET camera which means that you have to put them in, in, in a ring or a, a, a polygon arrangement and make sure that these detectors are well shielded from stray radiation from other parts of the body. They, they looked at the very basic principles, I think perhaps more rigorously than had been looked at previously. And from that, they began to produce quite convincing and better, better resolution and more quantitative images in, in three dimensions. And the people I knew quite well, as I recall, Phelps and, and, and Hoffman, had left St. Louis, and they were now uh, in Los Angeles and were working with a commercial company called Ortec to make a commercial version of the prototypes they had developed in St. Louis. And as Fruitofatu and I went around America, we would, be, we would take breaths of radioactive oxygen to image ourselves. We were the human phantoms, basically, and comparing different cameras as we went around the States. And um, it was clear that the St. Louis, um, the St. Louis uh, approach was producing the goods as far as much cleaner images, much more quantitative images. And I was lucky enough in Los Angeles to have in-depth discussion with my former colleagues to really get under the skin of why this technology was better. The uh, commercial device which had been fostered in collaboration with Mike Phelps and Ed Hoffman uh, was called ECAT, Emission Computerized Axial Tomograph. And there was a Mark I and then there was a Mark II which was, uh, had certain refinements and we plumped to buy the Mark II. At the point when we were take, going to take the, now this, so the case for that was submitted in 77, 78, and it was approved then, and it would not be delivered until the spring of 79. At that point, we would be the, the fifth or sixth recipient of this technology. Already were two or th it was Los Angeles and NIH, and um, I think in Ulich in Germany, and one had gone to uh, Orsay, which was a pet centre in Orsay, in the south of, which is about 30 kilometres south of the centre of Paris. I think there were eight of us went over from Hammersmith um, in, the, in December 1978, um, which would be about five or six months before we took delivery of our own camera. And that was quite an important visit for lots of reasons, not least because there was a, a neurologist there called Jean-Claude Baron. Now, Jean-Claude uh, was actually doing steady-state oxygen breathing at Orsay. He had been at the MGH after my time, and he'd seen the technique I'd developed there, and they were beginning to use it. And he'd obviously been quite attracted to being able to look at oxygen metabolism and blood flow, particularly in cerebrovascular disease. Mm -hmm. 